Ooh, here we are. Uh, hey guys. Hello. Hey. Welcome to another week of the 13th Floor Podcast. I'm Cece. I'm Alex. I'm James. And things are getting freaky today. <laughs> freaky. Freaky. <laughs> today, Alex, what are we talking about? Uh, we're talking about possession. Yerp. I did my research. I'm here. I'm ready to, to get this one over with. Cause, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you all know I don't like topics like this. Hmm. I thought that this one was interesting. I never, uh, I just thought there was like kind of one kind. And so now I know. Yeah, no, there's different kinds. Know. James is going to be like the expert on everything, like as he normally is. Yeah, I mean, how many exorcisms have you done yourself, James, now? Uh, I've had many performed on me. <laughs> <laughs> Over his thousands of years here on Earth. James, mm-hmm. how have you been? Been okay. Like the rest of the country, I'm frozen. Frozen. All right. Are your feet cold? Yeah, yeah. What's crazy, you know, we were joking about buying supplies and getting ready, and I I joked that I'm like the grasshopper in the story. I'll just starve. And (laughs) today I'm really feeling that. Like, I was like, oh, I'll just get something delivered if things are are really bad. People don't even deliver right now. It's just like that bad. So it's kind of like, oh, man, I sure would like a pizza, but I don't have a frozen pizza, so I guess I'll just go. (laughs) Can I ask you, James, how how many inches of snow did you guys get in Kentucky? Um, well, we got about probably one or two inches of snow, which is, isn't much. But underneath the snow is about a solid inch of ice. Yeah. That's the crazy part is the ice. Whew. Well, I remember when we moved down here to Georgia, we, oh, we there was a snow. There was snow. And Alex and I were like, oh, this will be nothing. It like only like dusted the tops of the grass. And then we went out and everything in Georgia was closed. Like mm. for days. For days. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like the only person driving around. Like, I'm like, oh, I'll just go to Taco Bell. They'll be open. Nope. Closed for three mm. days. There's nothing on the roads. Yeah. It was, <laughs> it was insane. But oh, anyways, man. listeners, if you're out there, if you are snowed in, we're sending our love to you. Mm-hmm. We hope that the love in our hearts can can warm your feet yeah. if your feet mm-hmm. are chilly. Hopefully by the time you hear this, the snow's gone or maybe even your power's on. Yeah, power's on. <laughs> Poor Texas, man. <laughs> Ooh, talk about yeah. yeah. Dios mio. Well, you guys, do we have an icebreaker? Actually, you oh, know what? <laughs> icebreaker. Yeah, knew that was going. Before we get to our icebreaker, I did want to give a shout out to one of our listeners because we got the nicest review on Apple Podcasts from mm. a listener in Vermont. So mm. we do have a listener in Vermont, Yay! you guys. Yay! Yes. Shout so, out to Vermont. Yeah, Again. shout out to Vermont. Mm. You know who you are. You left that wonderful, <laughs> beautiful review. I feel like the name the Penguin was in your name, which Penguin's one of my favorite animals. So we got something to come there anyways. What if Penguin's not in the name and you just lied about this person? You may have just lost us, our only listener in Vermont. In Vermont? Gosh, I hope not. (laughs) I hope not. Okay. So thank you to Penguin. Icebreaker? No, not an icebreaker. Oh, no. Our Patreon's coming out soon. Oh, yeah. Yes. And James has something tucked up his sleeve, right, James? Yeah. Yes. And so... Uh, anybody who joins our Patreon come March as soon as it's released, which we're going to have more information on that soon. But as soon as it comes out, you might be able to expect a nice little video of James at some point. <laughs> I don't know if that's something you'll be excited for, but it's coming. 
So, oh goodness! It won't just be a video of James. It'll be more than that. But yeah. Yeah. it'll be audio, listener. If you if you if you want audio as well, yeah, yeah. there'll be you, audio. There will be an James's audio option. Too. Or you can just close your eyes. If you close your eyes, all video is audio. Oh, there Ooh, you go, James. Look at you being sly. Okay, mm-hmm. so I think now it's time for our icebreaker. Okay. Yeah, what's our icebreaker, you guys? Do you have any you could be possessed. No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> there you go. No. No. Um, what's, okay. the, what's the scariest thing that's happened to you on the snow and ice? In snow and ice? Yeah. Uh, I'll, go, I'll go ahead and go because I remember okay. a good one for me. Oh, okay. Go. Yeah, so I was driving. <laughs> you were actually in the car with me on was this I? one. Yeah, and we were going down this road. Right, <laughs> we're going down this road, and I start hitting the brakes. I, I'm not, I'm way away. I'm doing it early, and I just keep going down the hill. It's absolutely horrifying. Cece's losing her mind. Just screw like, oh my god, Alex, stop! Ah, ah. <laughs> Sounds then, accurate. And then I just ever so slightly turn my wheel, and I just slide between the stop sign and this car, like on the on the uh, sidewalk, and. I yeah, do remember that. We're safe that. and sound. But it was the slowest like collision ever that was possibly going to happen. But mm. I safely navigated with my cool comic book. <laughs> I didn't freak out like you. I was like, oh. Uh, no, he didn't. Over there like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Alex. Oh, my God. That's one thing that just makes me so mad about you, Alex, is when something's happening, you're just like, it'll be okay. And so. People panicking don't solve the problem. I, mean, I know, but <laughs> but you just seem so unbothered I wasn't. I, I wasn't. I was like, I got this. I got this. In my mind, I was like, this could be bad. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, yeah, yeah I, I could probably like glide me in between the stop sign and the car. You did. He did. His car survived that little almost yeah. collision. Yeah. Um, for me, I think the scariest thing that ever happened, and this, it, it, there was a snowstorm. I think it was the one in 2003 in Kentucky that was really bad. The ice storm. Um, but we were away on a hockey trip when that happened. And so we came back into town. It was like driving into a ghost town. And that wasn't the scary part. The scary part was when we got home, there was a gas leak in our house. Oh, so we, snap. Yeah, it was it was quite nerve wracking. But we ended up going and sleeping out at my dad's office for like a week. And then Maga's house. So it wasn't that bad. But yeah, that was, that was a scary time. James, what about you? Hmm. Well, to preface this, I also have to add that when I was growing up, my parents would never take me to the doctor. So, I mean, obviously they took me to the doctor, but like there was no injury that really warranted a trip to the doctor. I mean, there was one time where I broke my hand and I literally had to wait like 18 hours to go to the doctor. Oh my gosh. Because they wouldn't take me. Well, me and my friends, when we were about 14 or 15, there was a real nice snow. And two of those friends lived on a, they were brothers, they lived on a great big hill. Biggest, flipping, steepest hill imaginable. Like, you couldn't even drive up it in the winter, you know? Yeah. And lots of snow. So we thought, well, let's go sledding. That sounds fun. And it was fun. It was great. But we also, uh, being teenage boys, decided to improvise and not use, like, regular sleds. We used all sorts of things. Oh, no. Yeah, including... (laughs) A Fisher Price tabletop. You took the legs <laughs> off of it. That thing was a bullet. It was like it was like the scene in Christmas Vacation when he when he uses that special lubricant, you know, and he's just <laughs> flipping bullet. So two injuries occurred that day. 
Um, one of my friends got a concussion and kept trying to go to sleep in the snow. <laughs> and uh, on that tabletop, incidentally, I, I I crashed on a regular sled or garbage can lid or whatever it was I was using. And that same friend, while in a concussed state, decided to use the, the, the Fisher-Price tabletop. Well, I had wiped out, so I was under the snow. And as I stand up, he comes barreling down at the speed of sound. And I mean, I, I was in the air for a little while from that collision. And long story short, I had a a hairline fracture in my leg that was never treated. So I was just in pain for like probably six weeks. Wow. James. It was not fun. Believe you didn't. I mean, I understand your parents wouldn't take you, but oh yeah. my gosh, you think that they would take you for a hairline fracture in the leg? You would think. <laughs> Man, yeah, well, that the injury reminds me of one of Alex's injuries. When, oh, when I broke my foot, my parents wouldn't take me yep. either. And they, it, was, it wasn't until the next day that they finally took me. Yeah. yeah. That's just how it was with me. Was the day yeah, they, they didn't believe me. They thought I was I was over exaggerating. Yeah. Well, what I don't get about me is I was like, no, I broke my hand. I totally broke my hand. And my hand was like three times the size it should have well, been. Okay. My, my, my foot was swollen. I cracked my foot right down the middle. And they were like, yeah, like they're like, some dirt on it. You're yeah, fine. it'll be fine. And then I was like, no, it like really hurts. And they're like, it, it'll be okay. I'm yeah. Like, yeah. Walk it off. Yeah. Jeez, Louise. Well, James, oh, I'm my. glad that your, your leg is better yeah. now. Uh, oh, Sorry, it took so long for it to heal. Though. Yeah, and listener, share your broken bone stories with us. Yeah, share your broken bones. <laughs> I've never had a broken bone before, so I can't. I can't. It's probably them. for the best. Yeah, I'm. I'm okay with it. <laughs> Alex also broke his orbital socket. Oh yeah, what an elbow? Yeah, I tell you, I got elbow while playing basketball, and someone broke my orbital socket. And do you have like a realize- mesh or something? Like, how do they deal uh, with that? They just they just say uh, you're just gonna have to deal with it. <laughs> I, have a, I have a bump on my orbital socket. I have no idea uh, like what it is or how it got there. When they broke it, I blew my nose because my eye was all black the next day, but I blew, it wasn't swollen at all. And then I blew my nose and it inflated the entire area around my eye. Oh, within Jesus an, Christ. Within an instant. <laughs> within an instant. Yeah. Oh. Was, ooh, yeah. Body I saw horror. blue. Everything was blue out of that eye for the that entire day. It was odd. I don't envy you guys. But yeah, listeners, if you want to send us your best broken bone stories, if you message them to me on the Instagram, because to be honest, these are these are fun stories in my opinion. They're not fun, you know what I mean? We don't need gross ones, but if they're pretty funny, yeah. maybe we could. Like James getting taken out by a Fisher-Price tabletop. <laughs> you know, let us this know. This video is yeah. sponsored by Fisher-Price. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, are you guys are we ready to dive into our our creepy heebie-jeebies? I'm ready. Who wants to go first? I probably need to go first. Are you, that makes so sense. So I can get it out of the way and then zone out, you know, throughout your guys' topics. Mm-hmm. There's a we can, can you hear wow. What? A, That's a car. It was like a, a really loud we've, car. Holy moly. We've had a lot of street racers near our house lately, so mm. I can't explain yeah. it. I saw I was just talking to Vin at the gas station. Vin Diesel. Oh, okay. All right. You know what? It's time. (laughs) Alex, sometimes your jokes hit, and then sometimes it's just like. Sometimes they hit, and sometimes they hit. Yeah, sometimes they hit. Oh, man. By the way, it's nine now. It's nine degrees. 
Nine. Stop Single it, Jane. digits. <laughs> I don't envy you. Um, okay. All right. Let me pull up my notes. Okay, you guys, are you ready for me to talk about my topic? Oh, my heavens. Mute your stuff. My computer's ready to top. All right. Mine's muted. So, you guys, today, my sources are the website ancient.eu, ancient-origins.net, and then some sprinkles from Wikipedia. Um, because researching this topic made me want to just clear my internet history. <laughs> it upset me so much. But James, he took it easy on me. Yep. Street racers are going crazy right now. Yeah. James took it easy on me, though, and he gave me a topic that wasn't quite as scary. So I am talking about possessions in, like, ancient times. Okay. And it was interesting. You might say those uh, street racers are real speed demons. (laughs) (laughs) James, I didn't know where you were going with that, but that made me really happy. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, if you're a regular 13th floorier and you've listened to our show before, you probably know I don't like things like this. I don't like demons. I don't like scary things. And I'm not going to have quite as terrible nightmares based upon my research. <laughs> I'm sure your guys will bring that in. But I like how you just keep delaying the inevitable. Just I know. I us. know. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. So I'm talking about possessions like way back in Mesopotamia. Okay. And that's where we're going to start. I'm going to start in Mesopotamia. So – like 6,000 years ago. Okay. Okay. Um, with the Sumerians. And they kept written records of all sorts of things. And that included instructions on how they dealt with people when they got possessed by evil deities. Mm. Which, what really surprised me is that the idea of possessions and like bodily takeovers were something that people were worried about way back when. Mm. Like I'm sitting here worried in 2021 about possessions. <laughs> and then they're worried... 6,000 years ago about possessions. Like we shared the same fears. Mm, yeah, more so because for them, you know, the, the spiritual component of life was just integrated seamlessly yeah. with everyday life. That's, I don't know why that surprises me so much, but it was just like, whoa, mm-hmm. huh. we have a lot of similarities. So, anyways, they have all these written records. So, we know the Sumerians believe that different spirits cause different types of illness. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the spirit they thought would enter the person through their head and then they would get sick. And then depending upon the symptoms that the person had, the priests, because priests were the ones who had to deal with possessions when they occurred. But based upon the symptoms, the priest would know, oh, he's got a snarfly nose. He's got this <laughs> specific demon in him. Or, oh, his stomach hurts and he's bleeding from his belly button. It's <laughs> this demon. Mm-hmm. You know right. what I mean? It's yeah. Torgizordal or whatever the demon's name is. So that's how they kind of – and I read something that said that they might have actually named different maladies based upon the demon. So it's mm-hmm. like if you've got a, a sniffly nose, you've got this. Snuffleurfus. Yeah, I was about to say, your your demons sound very Sesame Street. Yeah, <laughs> Well, one of the ancient tablets outlined steps for cleansing, quote, the head disease of heaven. They would rub someone's head with butter and milk, which doesn't sound too terrible to me. But for more severe cases where it was more than just the head affected, for example, they would treat the patient with water and then they would wrap the person's head with a bandage and juniper leaves to draw out the evil spirit. Uh Yes. But for the crazy, crazy cases, they had to do a lot more. Okay. They had this tablet, which we now call 
the Hell Plaque. And it's a very artistic tablet, but it looks like the demon Pazuzu. Remember him from our Demons Mm -hmm. episode? Yep. It looks like he's holding the plaque and like showing people how to perform an exorcism. And they would put this plaque next to the victim's bed during the ceremonies. And also on the plaque is Lamashtu. Is that how you say it, James? Yeah, Lamashtu. Lamashtu. Uh, And that was another demon who was said to be Pazuzu's wife. Yeah. And I didn't realize this, but in ancient times, people actually attributed miscarriages and child loss to, or Lamashtu, because she was jealous of women who could have babies. So whenever that happened, it's like, oh no, this demon's here. And apparently Pazuzu was there to protect pregnant women from his wife. Right. So they would carry a lot, like pregnant women would carry around tokens with Pazuzu the demon on them to try and keep them healthy during their pregnancy. Yeah. Yeah, he was he was a pretty complicated guy. <laughs> he was a complicated guy, but that just blew my mind just the, the thought that people carried around pictures of a demon with them. Yeah. Well, it's also important safe. to remember that they didn't have a what's that word that we use, uh, you know, like the world wasn't divided in two things. Like like Pazuzu's dad was a god, Hanby. So yeah. You know, it wasn't like, uh, what's that word? Dualistic. They didn't have a dualistic view like we do. Interesting. But you guys, I'm tired of talking about Pazuzu. Let's move move on to the Greeks. And they had something called nymphalepsy. Mm. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) Oh, boy. Yeah, it's the idea that people could become possessed by nymphs which are these beautiful female nature spirits. Uh Yeah. And Socrates mentioned and Plato kind of wrote about this type of possession. And it's kind of, I think it mostly affected men. Mm. You know what I mean? And (laughs) (laughs) they just become, when you become a a nymphalized, whatever it is. Sure. uh, Mm. You would just become obsessed with nymphs. Everything in your life revolves around them. So men would just be like, ooh, the nymphs. Yeah, someone called, I guess they were called uh, nymphomaniacs. Huh? Well, yeah, that's where the term also comes from. Yeah, That's where it came from. Well, <laughs> I read that there's this, there's this like cave, I think it's called Very Cave, spelled V-A-R-I, and they believe that somebody built this for the nymphs specifically, probably because he was obsessed with them. Mm. Or she, I don't know. Yeah. But it reminded me of, do you remember Hey Arnold, how Helga Pataki had that shrine of oh, Arnold yeah. in her closet? I all about that, but yeah. yeah mm. that's kind of, that's what I thought of. That's what a lot of our fans have of us. <laughs> Let's hope not. Please. Please do not say that. Okay. <laughs> La- lastly, I just have a little information about how possession was viewed and kind of believed in within Asian cultures way back when. And this kind of took me back to our research from our episode where I talked about the Hungry Ghost Festival. Because if you'll remember back to that episode, there's lots of fear during the Hungry Ghost Festival that you could actually be possessed by a hungry ghost. And there are tons of things that you can do wrong. Remember, all of the taboos don't do this during the festival. And one of those things I kept seeing over and over again during my research was that women can't wear high heels during the Hungry Ghost Festival because it's believed that the heel is an entry point. Yeah. So women won't wear high heels during the festival in order to prevent being possessed by an angry ghost. Remember you can't hang your clothes outside because a ghost might try in your pants and you bring them inside. <laughs> it's bad luck. So there's lots of things that you can do wrong, but there are 
all these different types of spirits in Asian culture. And one of them is called the Oni. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What do you know about oh, the yeah. Oni? They're I like, love them. Uh, they're in a lot of Japanese media. Yeah. They're in a lot of Japanese yeah. media, you guys. In fact, when I was trying to look them up, because I, I was like, okay, Oni are said to be these evil spirits. They can possess you. They can, you know, take over your body. You want to watch out for them because they're not good. And then I'm like, okay, well, what happens if somebody gets possessed by an Oni? How do you treat it? And so I looked how to, how to treat an Oni possession. And everything that popped up was either about the TV show Supernatural, because apparently there are uh. Oni in Supernatural. So I read a full synopsis of an episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I also – there was a lot of Magic the Gathering, the card oh. game, because there's a card in the game. Which, if you want to buy one, they're only seventy nine cents on Amazon. They're two, two nice. right now. So, yeah, you can get an Oni card. But really, <laughs> Supernatural and Magic: The Gathering have like taken all of the real estate on Google because I could not find anything on how to treat an Oni possession <laughs> in Asian culture way back when. I think it's death by sword combat. Well, death by sword mm. combat. <laughs> Just kidding. I that's that you guys that's all i really have to say is watch out for the oni yeah <laughs> especially on supernatural especially oh on goodness. supernatural yeah so yeah you guys that's all that i have right now i really want to watch more supernatural because they really do they cover like everything that we talk I've about i've never seen it i've Ooh, seen James. i've seen like t- two and a half seasons or so oh wow one quick little note about oni you know in in shinto uh, and and possession in Japanese culture in general is other spirits are far more likely to possess people, and there's just a bazillion different kinds. Um, and Lots. the form of exorcism most common is making the body uninhabitable. So I mean, like almost like torture, you know, beating and burning and all that stuff. Um, whereas oni have a little bit of a complicated relationship because they're they're demons, but they have a lot of influence from Buddhism, and as such, they they're more likely to like guard things. So that includes, you know, positive roles like guarding hell, for example. Um, So even though they're demons, again, because Shinto and Buddhism don't have a dualistic view, they're not inherently bad, which is why in a lot of the pop culture, and Alex can attest to this, they're a lot of times portrayed in more of a a friendly light. Yeah, they're not even they're not even always bad guys. Yeah. yeah. In well, fact, I would I would compare them to ogres in European folklore yeah. or trolls. Everything that I read was like, oh, they're evil. You got to watch out for the oni. But then everything about the TV show and the Magic Card Gathering, <laughs> it kind of called them like warriors. And in my brain, a warrior is not necessarily evil. Right. I always picture you them know, as warriors as well. When I was in Japan, they were doing this really fun little ritual. It's like a New Year's thing where you. Um, you throw soybeans out your front door and you, you you say this little chant. It's like, good luck in, Oni out. Or maybe backwards, Oni out, good luck in. And, you know, because you know, it's, it's weird to think about. Like when, you, you know, when we went to school for holidays, like Valentine's, we probably drew pictures of hearts and cupids and stuff. And if you walk by school, I mean, there was all these drawings of kids drawing themselves, like pelting these crying Oni with uh, soybeans. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of neat. Oh, wow. Man. Well, I think Alex, are you going next? Yeah, let me. Yes. So, I picked possession of the Jewish tradition. <laughs> <laughs> you can't say possession of the Jew. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> uh, 
Uh, all of which surrounds an entity called, and I'm going to butcher this, the Dibuk. And I'm going to look at the phonetic spelling. Uh, yeah, I've heard Dibuk and Dibuk, so I think you're good. Well, no, no, I think Dibuk is, is more correct. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll just go with Dibuk. Dibuk. So, <sighs> Dibuk. Which stems from the Hebrew word cleaving or clinging. Cling. Yeah. I get it. Makes That's sense. scary. Yes. Yeah, so grab it. No. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I got most of my information from an interview uh, on ghostvillage.com that they did with Rabbi Gershon Winkler. And Rabbi Winkler has several books about ghost apparitions, magic, reincarnation, and even a book specifically about the dip. The book. The book. The book. Mm. It's, 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 it's titled The Book. Uh, so, oh, God. <laughs> so, uh, just a brief history, not history, but just who Rabbi Gershon Winkler is, because I don't know what kind of credibility he has in the community. So, he is a Danish non denominational rabbi. Uh, he's a scholar. He's. He's an author. He's an author. He works a lot with indigenous people. Okay. And every picture I could find of him is outside. He spends <laughs> a lot of time outdoors. Yes. Mm. Yes. So, now, he does say that Jewish people do not believe in any sort of demonic possession. At least not in the way Christians think. So, the typical pop culture version of possession is not how theirs works. Okay. No one's crawling on ceilings oh. or thrashing oh. or getting super strong. Oh. What? Mm-hmm. I said just, no one is. I know, but it just the thought of it creeps me out. So instead, they believe that a person can be possessed by a soul that has left someone's body. They're dead. and But it has not left the world. Mm-hmm. So, it's not, so it's not like some demon crawling up from hell. It's just like someone lingering around, like a, almost like a ghost. And these souls are seeking bodies to possess so that they can finish whatever it is that they need to complete. So he goes he goes on to cite a few instances of this type of possession that took place uh, in the actual Bible. Book of Samuel 18.10, he specifically referenced, and a, and a moment in Book of Kings where certain people in the Bible have a sudden surge of like fortitude. Where they kind of step up their game a little bit. Okay. And in these moments, it is very similar to what the Dabuk does. So, he says that a lot of these things aren't talked about in local synagogues, typically. But he says ghosts and spirits are definitely a part of Judaism. Now, how does a spirit take over a person? Well, the person has to open themselves up to it. Uh, and I don't mean intentionally, though. Like I mean that their soul and body have to become out of sync. Apparently, mm-hmm. things like severe melancholy, psychosis, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, things that, and I think it's a much broader spectrum spectrum than that because it seems like just about anybody who kind of gets a little lost is susceptible to this. So. Because the being or the the book is floating around looking for someone that it identifies with, someone who is going through something very similar to what they did in their past life. And so it takes over. So it's like, oh, 
you're aimless and trying to build a business. Well, I built a business. Let me help you. Or something like that. Or it could be something like someone in their deepest heart of hearts really just wants to go on a uh, robbing spree or wants to like rob every convenience store in the area. Well, maybe a spirit that actually did that will possess them and give them that extra push to do the things that to do it to rob, or would they say, "Hey, you know no. what, buddy? Listen, it would it, it it wants someone that's more in line. So if this person's heart really wants to do it, just they just don't have the the guts to do it. <laughs> a more nefarious spirit might show up and be like, "All right, oh my gosh, let me give you that extra. <laughs> let me give you that extra shove." Okay. And we'll go. We'll go make some money real quick, man. <laughs> so the the book is it's not good or bad, but from a lot of things that I've seen, it is actually pretty decent, at least most of the time. So mm. not every possession is bad. In reality, it seems like a lot of these interactions end up being positive. So say you're living, you're having trouble pursuing something, like I was just mentioning, yeah, and the spirit in the previous life. Life is like, hey, you you have this lofty goal. You want to create the, you want to create Amazon, the next Amazon. I'm going to help you do that. And so mm-hmm. this spirit possesses you, gives you that driving force, that like that ultimate motivation to build to build your new empire. Now, something that happens with a lot of people though, when they accomplish a big lofty goal, is they enter the sadness and almost a depression afterwards. It's true. And that is marked up as the spirit leaving its body because the spirit feels that its job is complete. So, this, and so when when the when it leaves, the person is actually used to that person to that spirit helping them, guiding them because it doesn't completely take over. It's man. more of an aid. It's more of like a someone to give you that extra push. I was going to ask you, like, okay, so if you become possessed by the spirit, is it like you're still there? Yeah. Yes, you're you're still present, but it's this almost like this force that just yeah. gives you that extra. Do you know that you've been possessed by something? Well, I'll I'll get into how we might mm. know. Okay. Yeah. So that depression afterwards is after the spirits left the body. Now the rabbi suggests that something these people can do to curb this feeling that a lot of people feel is to be show as much thanks as you can for the help that you got. And when you show thanks for the help that you got, you'll probably be able to lift yourself back up again. Attitude of gratitude. Exactly. Exactly. Just showing gratitude and having that understanding that you had help and that you're kind of on your own, that you could be able to lift yourself back up to that same spot. Okay. So what are signs that someone's possessed? And this is typically the bad one. (laughs) Because <laughs> uh, if it's a good one, no one's gonna bother. Well, that, <laughs> you know, the, yeah. I was wondering that. No one's probably gonna bother. We'll say we'll say probably because I'm sure there's situations. But Winkler says that the book are not bound by the laws of time or space, hmm. and therefore they can get information from any time or any place. So sometimes people will start talking about things that they actually don't know, but they're like correct about it. Like there's no way this person would know this, but they're actually right. They're, uh, they might know what is happening 
across the street. Like they'll say, like, "Oh, this is happening across the street." And the, the, Alice and Mary are fighting again over there, and then sure enough, they're right. They start. They know another language. Uh, so these types of things could really be giveaways. Uh, they, they also cited remembering dreams, but that seems too vague because a lot of people remember their dreams. Yeah. Yeah. But the solution for, especially if it's a bad case, is obviously a fun exorcism. Now, to get <laughs> to do this, you gotta get ten people together who get in a circle around the possessed person, recite Psalm ninety-one three times, and the rabbi blows a ram's horn or the shofar, as they call it, to effectively they call it breaking the body in a way. Now, the big difference between this type of exorcism and like say the one in Catholicism is that they're not just trying to expel the spirit from the body. They are trying to heal both. They want to satisfy the spirit and the person. And so by satisfying the spirit, it can leave this world. And by satisfying the person, they won't be susceptible to this anymore. Mm. And so it's actually perceived as finding peace for both these individuals. So it's a much more positive thing, actually. They just have a generally more positive take on all of it. Interesting. Yeah. I was not expecting that. (laughs) <laughs> to come out of your mouth, and then James, you're gonna set, you're gonna upset me, right? Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, I'm covering Christian exorcism, which is the one with the scariest demons. Yeah, really. There's there's three oh, forms. James, her <laughs> eyes are so big right now. <laughs> oh man. Uh, yeah, there's really three uh, forms of exorcism in Christianity. There's Protestant exorcism. Orthodox exorcism, and the most famous, thanks to the exorcist, Catholic exorcism, or more accurately, Roman exorcism. And uh, I'm going to start with the most broad and vague, and that would be Protestant exorcism, because there's not a specific rite in particular for that. It's, it's, if you've ever seen Protestant exorcisms, it's usually like really, really, really passionate looking preacher folk reading the Bible and saying, (laughs) out! In the name of the Lord, out and you know, <laughs> slapping foreheads and and yeah. and I don't mean to mock it, but it is rather theatrical to watch, and yeah. it's doubly doubly theatrical when the way the possessed usually behave, you know, out, oh, yeah. out, <laughs> you know, so Word. it's pretty <laughs> it's pretty intense, but it certainly doesn't fall in line with any kind of long-standing tradition. I mean, uh, Protestant exorcism is a 20th century phenomenon um, for the most part. I mean, there's a few exceptions. And it's like Protestantism itself. It's more spontaneous and organic uh, and and about, you know, adapting to whatever the scenario calls for. Whereas Orthodoxy and Roman Catholicism, being much older and having long-standing traditions that haven't really been substantially deviated from over a long span of time, it's a lot more um, liturgical and ancient and not practical. That's I see it's hard to find judgment terms or not to use judgment terms because it sounds like I'm saying one's good and one's bad. But uh, in Christianity, as you guys know, Demons are inherently evil. They were originally angels who rebelled against God by taking side with Satan. And as such, they despise humanity to a degree that we can't fathom as human beings. 
and they want to corrupt and destroy them. And that's really what possession is about. It's about a demon inhabiting a body and attempting to corrupt and destroy that body. So exorcism itself is an attempt to expel that being and send it back from whence it came. Well, the orthodox view, as you can probably imagine, follows a very set plan. Usually this has to do with getting the demon within to recognize the divinity and the power and authority vested in said priest or said exorcist. In other words, they're getting the demon to recognize the authority of Christ as the Son of God and get it to leave under that mm, authority. In other words, even demons have to obey God's plan and God's laws. And so invoking that is a means of getting them to leave. Does that make sense? Yes. Mm -hmm. Now, here's the problem. Demons are inherently deceptive by their very nature. So they are constantly fighting against that and attempting to deceive both the priest and the possessed party, as well as anyone who else happens to be in the room. And by doing that, by making the will waver of said priest and, and other people uh, present, it, it can decrease the efficacy of casting out the demon. So, most of the, the verses cited by the Orthodoxy is also cited by Protestants and Roman Catholics. Uh, Matthew uh, 10, 8, Luke chapter 10, verses uh, 17 through 20, things like that. But a lot of these incantations have been sort of rejected, even though they were used in the New Testament. And that's because during the period in which the apostles went out and were you know, converting people, people were very superstitious. And it's mentioned that you shouldn't take advantage of superstitious folk. Well, some people argue that that's the case. And that's doubly the case with the orthodoxy. It's one of the big differences, in fact, between uh, the Romans and the, the, the Greeks in that context. The orthodoxy mm -hmm. is, is much more, I would say, reluctant to use certain mantras in an attempt to... Uh, Cast out devils. Does that make sense? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good deal. Yeah, because of all the complicated terminology, it's, I, I keep checking in with you guys to make sure that, that everything I'm saying is, you know, on the level uh, as far as, as comprehending it. Yeah. So from the Orthodox perspective, that means that Christ is the top-notch exorcist. They even use the word exorcist par excellence. Because, you know, he's, if you think about it, he's the ultimate exorcist because he harrowed hell and won against the devil. So that's kind of like hmm. the most penultimate form of exorcism you can think of, actually, yeah. ultimate. Um, so what priests do uh, who, who, you know, expel demons, what they're doing is they're taking part in something. And this is really key here. That is sacramental, but not a sacrament. And the reason I point that out, and this goes for the Romans as well. If something is a sacrament, it cannot change. Like the, the actual sacrament of communion, the sacrament of confession, the sacrament of marriage, they, they have a longstanding tradition that can't alter in any way. Whereas because this is sacramental means it's, you know, it, it's, it's a vital component of church authority, but you can sort of adapt to the situation. And that's pretty important because if you think about it, if you did everything verbatim and by the book for a demon and there were two different demons, you could get different results and you could really be in trouble there. Yeah. So on to the Roman component, which again, exorcism has boomed 
ever since The Exorcist came out. And some people argue that it's because people think about demons more and as such, they're more susceptible. And other people argue that it's more of a coincidence that The Exorcist came out because the zeitgeist was, you know, leaning towards a, a more open to demonic possession attitude with moral laxness and all that. So exorcism is a booming business right now for the Roman Catholic Church. There, there's a lot more being ordained than ever have been in history. Oh. And again, it being sacramental, but not a sacrament, it does follow a formula. It's just not insanely uh, rigid in the way that it's practiced. And that usually starts with the litany of the saints, which is a massive, massive direct involving invocations. Usually, you know, Lord have mercy and the homily of Christ have mercy uh, over and over again. Uh, listing off the authority of different saints, a whole bunch of them. It's pretty complicated. Um, mm -hmm. And again, I can't go too far in depth on all of this just because there is so much. So what I would highly recommend people do if they're curious, uh, and I also wouldn't, wouldn't say out loud right now because I'd probably give CC hysterics, is uh, just to look up videos because there's tons of videos of Orthodox mm -hmm. exorcisms and of Roman Catholic exorcisms, and you can really see firsthand how they differ. Well, I think that part of the reason that I'm so frightened of them is because I grew up in the Catholic Church, and one of our priests, when I was, I'm surprised he did this, but when I was helping out with a middle school uh, youth group, he was talking about how, like, one day he got back, he's, like, talking to the kids, and he's like, oh, yeah, I just got done with an exorcism, and I'm just like... <sighs> What? See, see, 50 years ago, that would have been like unheard of. But again, it's become more commonplace. Yeah. Yeah. That shocked me. And I think that might be why I'm so afraid of them now. Mm. Yeah. No, Oof. no. I'm James. I hope you don't hate me, but I'm not going to be looking up those videos. <laughs> I'm sure you aren't. <laughs> no, I'm probably, Alex and I are yeah. probably going to watch something funny after we're done recording yeah. this. Just and we'll, we'll eventually have to talk about other forms of exorcism too, because gin are a whole other matter, but that's really more of a gin episode. And yeah. there's also, I mean, there's, there's a lot. I mean, this is really just one part to probably what'll be a two or three parter eventually. Oh joy! We'll, we'll limit to, to one one possession episode a year, though. There you okay, go. all right, all right. So you guys have have another year. I have another year to calm down from this one. Yeah. Although yeah. I will say that this was well, not as bad as I was, I was expecting say, it to be. Yeah. Our demons episode was a lot more tough for me. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Mark your calendars. We'll call it day. <laughs> My gosh. <laughs> so, do you guys have anything else you want to add to the conversation before we draw from our vase? Uh, no, just that the music is by Grant Cookie, Violet Amazon, Spotify, iTunes, anywhere you listen to music. All right, and you guys, you should see how filled the is, is right now. It is fuller than it's ever been by like, it's probably twice or three times as full as it's ever been. And you guys. If you want to submit a topic to us, please do so because we have a ton, but we can always take a ton more. Mm -hmm. And our you can send them to me on Instagram at 13th Floor Podcast. You can send them to us on Twitter. Alex was on Twitter the other day and he actually found a couple on there. I did. So. I did. I tweeted, <laughs> I've done two tweets in the last two days. Thank yeah. you. So you guys, anybody who submitted a topic via Twitter, it's in the vase now. Um, you can <laughs> also send them to us on Facebook and then also email them to us 13 floor podcast at gmail.com. And the last place, our website, you can feed the vase at 13th floor podcast.com. Alex, what are we talking about next week? We're talking about 
All right, next week, you what? guys. We are talking. Oh, this was actually submitted to us. Alex, sounds so crazy. This was submitted to us by Carson in Texas. So, Carson, yeah. thank you so much. And he uh, has asked us to talk about how some people think the Middle Ages didn't happen. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, what? I've heard of that, that, though. Yeah. yeah. You have? Yeah. Oh, it's wow. bizarre. I can't wait to hear about this. I want to take we, the, we might uh, have to expand it though, to we might have to expand it to temporal conspiracies though because I don't know if, if three people we'll figure it out. We'll figure that. it out. We'll okay. see. Yeah, we've got some time. Hey, do you guys want to hear some fun facts about Carson? Yeah, sure. Let's hear All right, let me pull him up. Okay, so here are some fun facts about Carson. You guys, he once fell asleep in a movie theater. And when he woke up, the movie was o- over and the theater was closed and he scared the heck out of the high schoolers who were shutting down <laughs> the movie theater. Okay. And then he also thinks that the toilet paper tail should go over the roll in the front instead Ooh. of under. Blasphemy. No, no, Carson. I totally feel <laughs> yeah, you. Blasphemy. I hope that Carson doesn't actually think the other way. All right, you guys. <laughs> Carson, <laughs> if you if you want to talk to me about your fun facts, please let me know. Okay. So, you guys, that was our episode on possession. And we're going to get off here. Alex and I, we're going to watch some something nice, get a little palate cleanser. <laughs> and, yeah, so I guess, you guys, until next time, we hope that you can keep it strange. Speed demons.